Rob, I'm going to need you to go to an internet site. Oh. This is um, an ad on the side of a van that's been parked in a parking lot uh, close to my house. <laughs> if you could just point your browser at mm -hmm. ladylaw.com. Lady Law, I'm going to get the noise in, dot right. com. Mm -hmm. So this is on the side of the van? I know not all our listeners have ready <laughs> access to uh, an internet browser while they're listening. So let me just kind of describe the picture here. We got a heavily photoshopped image of a woman who is cropped out from a background. That's Photoshop? In a sort of low-cut suit, uh, leaning on a, a motorcycle. A lot of heavy blurs on the eye makeup area with the very piercing eyes. Yeah, very, very um, eyeshadowed all the way around. Yeah, she's heavy. got the smoky eye. She's, yeah. She, yep. Yep. And um, they follow you. Now, I'm sure I, you know, she seems like a nice lady for a personal injury lawyer uh, <laughs> who advertises on the side of uh, Vans. Uh, but I got to say, it says... A little less law and a little more. I'm a post-apocalyptic vampire who rides my bike around solving crimes and putting those dastardly ghost werewolves into jail where they belong. <laughs> That's right. Fighting dastardly ghost werewolves with nothing but a legal degree, a motorcycle, and a really nice French manicure. <laughs> they only respond to subpoenas, Rob. That's their one weakness. It's not silver. It's subpoenas. It's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance. Adventure. Mystery. Anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello, and welcome to the show that usually ends. Another episode of Interrupted Tales, the podcast where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I'm Rob, and I'm joined tonight by the Smurf to my Smurf, Alan. How are you, Alan? Gargamel-like. <laughs> he just wants to have a good stew. <laughs> Who doesn't yeah. want a good stew? Oh, man, just hang, sitting by the fire with your cat, eating a nice stew. Sounds like a great night. Mm -hmm. No kids around. No. <laughs> okay. It really sounds wonderful. I'm sorry, where, what are we doing right now? <laughs> Feels like that strayed a bit from Gargamel's day to day. But... <laughs> Did this suddenly get real? What's going on here? Uh, this week, we have a spooky tale from the January 1951 issue of Planet Stories, and it's called Task to Luna by Alfred Capel. Now, Alan, did you uh, look into Alfred Capel at all? I did a little bit. Um, he wrote a series of novels under the pen name of Robert Cham Gilman. And boy, if you go on Amazon and look at the, the covers of these books, the main art direction seems to be, yeah, it's in space, but uh, the main guy really loves his horse. <laughs> so he brings his horse to space. Oh, his horse goes everywhere, man. Now it's time to curl up in your favorite chair while we read you this week's tale. Task to Luna 
the rockets started almost simultaneously. From two widely separated points on the great curving surface of Earth, they reached upward and outward toward the moon. It wasn't really so strange a coincidence. Space navigation is governed by mathematics and logic, not politics. Mm, unless you're a libertarian, then it's uh, governed by a lack of rational laws like funding roads and gravity that just disappear. <laughs> we don't need them, Alan. Man can do by his own hand. He doesn't need the weak nuclear force. The fact that man-carrying spaceships happened to be developed concurrently on two sides of an iron curtain meant little to the universe. It happened, that's all. And there's a proper time to launch such missiles. Fourth of July, yeah, let's light this Roman candle. Hold on, let me grab a couple barbecue ribs and potato salad before I push this big old button here. <laughs> well, they, they do launch from Florida. Oh, no, I got the barbecue sauce on the button. Oh, no, let me just lick that off. <laughs> no, I said launch, not launch. <laughs> when that time came, they were launched. In a manner of speaking, it was a race. A race wherein the prizes were such things as gravity gauge and surveillance point and impregnable launching sites. Mm, yeah, I think impregnable launching sites was the marketing slogan for next plane on birth control implants. <laughs> Still not sure why they weren't very popular with women. That's <laughs> true. The contestants were earnest, capable men, each certain that the moon must not fall into the hands of the opponent. Sir, the worst has happened. The moon is completely in enemy hands. Two of, two of them. <laughs> Damn it, son, how many fingers? <laughs> how many fingers? <laughs> I will not lose a thumb to this war. It made a stirring and patriotic picture, vivid with nationalistic fervor. It was thrilling with its taste of high adventure and self-sacrifice. Uh, thank you, I'm, I'm greatly honored. It's the highest service a test pilot can do for their country. And just to have the opportunity to come back and shake the hands of fellow Americans and say, we did it together means, uh, oh, what? sorry, what's that? A what way ticket? No, <laughs> no. Hey, you can't call it a layover if the second leg hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> oh, that's glorious. I'm not waiting for the future tech tree. No. Just sit tight. We'll have someone there in a year or two. I don't know. Hmm. It's the moon. You'll find a way. <laughs> it's a big place. Yeah. There's probably a launch pad right there somewhere. Somewhere. I mean, it's the moon. Right. It's, yeah. For each rocket pilot, it was a personal crusade against the thing he had been raised to regard as the enemy. But somehow, under the steady, cold scrutiny of the eternal stars... They must have looked a little ridiculous. Perhaps just a tiny bit tragic, too. Harsh was the moon. But mellow was the yellow. <laughs> Cosmic wheels, celestial wheels. <laughs> and Mia Farrow. <laughs> Way down up on the moon. And the magician. I think you were singing 
up on Cripple Creek there, actually. <laughs> no. <laughs> Either way, we cannot afford this music. Please. Up on Mars Olympus, well, she sends me. <laughs> there was black, and there was white. And there was a giant monkey thing you could train to throw its poop at villagers. And Peter Molyneux said unto the people, it is good. And the people said, eh. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's the better than... The tutorial's pretty good, but then well, that's the game? Yeah, that's 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 it? Huh. That's a, that's a black and white <laughs> joke. I figured it out about 30 seconds ago. Great jagged cliffs and razor. Actually, it was a Michael Jackson black. song joke. I don't. Yeah, it was quite complicated, though. It was yeah, quite yeah, complex. Yeah. Still, George Wentz's finest role. Great jagged cliffs and razor-backed mountains slash the pocked surface of the crater floor, humping themselves at the huge, unwinking stars. That's one small step for man. One giant. Buzz, are those mountains humping each other? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it appears that they are. Um, Neil, um, do you want to get a picture of that? Boy, the stars, they're not turning away either. <laughs> oh, who could look away from that show? That's, uh, that's uh, really something. The sun was a stark disk of fire, incredibly white, hung in the black sky. The shadows were bottomless pools. Within them, there was nothing. Uh, have you looked, though? Oh, yeah, yeah, they're empty. I, uh, I checked them good. You checked the bottomless pits good. Because I feel like you were way less, let's say, just a little less than infinity. <laughs> well, I mean, bottomless. It's a turn of phrase, Alan. Uh, it's a turn of phrase. Hey, thanks, Rob. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, sticking up for the authors in this endeavor. Really helps the comedy. This guy loves horses, damn it. I'm going to stick up for him. In the sunlight, the pumice soil glared white. The Russian rocket had crashed on landing. Randick could see the tiny, buckled shape of it high on the mountain. Uh, you know, I loved Pitch Blank, but the Chronicles of Randick just ruined the whole series for me. <laughs> No doubt the pilot was dead. Also, I've been thinking about getting a Shane job done on my eyes. What do you think, Rob? <laughs> a Shane job, eh? Yeah. It's a good look. Thank you. No doubt the pilot was dead, but he had to be sure. The risks were too great for any unsupported assumptions. He had to go up there and see for himself. Ponderous in his pressure suit, Randick emerged from the open lock of the Anglo-American rocket. He slogged across the pumice of the crater floor toward the spot where the mountain's sheer talus erupted skyward. Have you been to the Red Door Luna Spa, Rob? Uh, no, no, not yet. Oh, it's great. You get exfoliated just by rolling on the ground naked, and it's an ultra-fast detox. Uh, wait, no, um, deox is what the brochure says. <laughs> it's, hey, we all need to remove those pesky extra chemical elements like oxygen to maintain our temple at times <laughs> that's right we don't need chemicals alan that's bad i only want elements i can pronounce and also periodic elements nobody likes periods <laughs> well you just know a man invented those 
discovered those, Rob. <laughs> if there was no trouble from the Ruski, he would return to his own ship and begin setting up the first cell of what would soon be the Anglo-American moon base. Hey, the official language that I talk to myself in is English, do you hear? Yeah, I hear, me. All right then, pendejo. Hey, what was that? <laughs> so he's talking back to himself in Spanish. It's, it's a complicated banking for it. Have you seen Moon, Rob? <laughs> I have. Okay, this joke is less complicated than that. It's the guy's just talking to himself. <laughs> it's similar in construct. I like it. As soon as he signaled a safe landing and no opposition from the Russian, other rockets would come to aid their cells, and presently there would be an atomic rocket pointed dead at the heart of every Russian population center. A rocket each for Moscow, Leningrad, Kiev, Vladivostok. Jesus. Hey, guys, yeah, welcome to the moon. We're still uh, still waiting on toilets and to see if we'll sink into the center if we walk on the surface, but uh, uh, go ahead and park your A-bombs over there. <laughs> you know, that's a priority. Randick frowned. It would be a lot simpler if the crash had finished the Russian pilot. He knew the Russians had exactly the same plan for the moon, only the rockets would be aimed at Washington, London, Paris, San Francisco. The slight weight of the one-man bazooka on Randick's back seemed suddenly very comforting. As if one-sixth of a bazooka was there to protect him. <laughs> How many two-man bazookas are there? Is that a, like a is that a Winter Olympic event I don't know about the the two man bazooka where you you got to ski thirteen miles and then you shoot a bazooka? I don't know which end would you rather be on of the bazooka. <laughs> you don't want the exhaust, but uh, you don't want to be near the front. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough call. It's a tough call. It's kind of like trying to decide where you want to be on the two man luge. Good point. Randick knew himself to be on the very edge of known territory. His map showed him that he was in the highest part of the Dorfil Mountains. Behind him lay the two great bowls of Bailey and Shickard, and far to the north he could see, as he climbed higher, the smooth surface of the Mare Humorum. Man, modern exploring sucks. I'm just gonna cross that out and write Randickia and... Uh... I guess I'm a little lost, so I'm just going to call those little gray aliens over there New Jerseyites, because I think I might have somehow looped all the way back. <laughs> I got to The directions were fuzzy to this place. <laughs> it just said moon. Yeah. And I'm supposed to figure out where to go from there? Is that over in uh, Delaware? Moon? <laughs> I don't know. He looked up to the spine-like ridge beyond and slightly above the wreck of the Russian ship. There was a deep pass that slashed like a wound into the backbone of the range. He felt a slight thrill. Beyond that cleft lay mystery. <laughs> Isn't that always the case, though? <laughs> uh, my wife is not sexually satisfied. <laughs> the other side of the moon that was the bootleg of uh pig floyd's album there the sun's rays beat down brutally even through the heavily insulated suit 
Randa could feel their searing touch. All around him stretched a jumbled nightmare of black and white. He was suddenly very glad that he could not see the earth in the sky. It's 1951. Does he know what it looks like? Uh, Control, there seems to be some marble-like object between me and the earth. It's like nothing I or anyone else has seen before. Alan, 1951 is the year of the story. Given the technology, the great technology changes already described here, it mm-hmm. at least takes place in 1972. I think that's reaching. The homesickness would be unbearable. Randick found himself frowning. He had no time for such thoughts. He was a soldier. He reminded himself that up there in the tangled wreckage of the Russian spaceship, there might be another soldier ready to kill him. Or a dog ready to kill him. So he was going to need to watch out for unclipped nails. Maybe it's Cosmo, the, uh, the psychic dog from the Guardians of the Galaxy comic books. Maybe it was Lockjaw, some other <laughs> shitty dog that only comic book nerds know about. Cosmo's awesome. I don't care what anyone says. So what are your feelings on Lockjaw? Sorry, I haven't heard them. Lockjaw is a giant teleporting No, your dog. feelings on the Rob. <laughs> My feelings are pretty awesome. Okay. Two human beings on the moon, each eager to kill. Randick shook his head angrily. He had no right to let his mind dwell on such things. He was within a hundred yards of the wreck when a streak of fire and a soundless blast drove him into the shadows. Pumice showered him from the star-shaped depression where the explosive missile had struck. Randick cursed heartily. Oh, we F and we S yelled D, but not bless. Some T's with our A's, of course we say yes. Yes! A-H's abound and D's are around. We even have P's if MF's are in town. Though some we have found should not make a sound. For those who swear swears just to astound, there's C and CS, JFC with SS, and Q, what would start with a Q? Oh, unless. And letters perverse to rhyme in a verse. For those who so heartily curse. Bravo! Bravo! There will be no encore. (laughs) The Rusky was very much alive, and there wasn't a thing wrong with his eyesight. The shot had been uncomfortably close. Unslinging his bazooka, Randick began to work his way around behind the Russian rockets. A slight movement among the wreckage caught his trained eye, and he launched a projectile at it. It flared wickedly, tearing fragments of metal loose and flinging them fantastic distances down the sheer slope of the ridge. There was no return fire. I won. I won space! (laughs) That's how it works, right? This is mine now. I put the flag of Randick. Randick broke out of the shadow and ran for the cover of a large pumice stone boulder farther up the draw. A sun-bright flash of fire spattered the loose soil a dozen feet from him. He slid for the darkness on his belly. (laughs) 
minutes if he has to go slowly. That one had been a near thing. Yeah, totally. Rip. <laughs> feel like he could <laughs> use some more safety training. Question 195. Is the moon or is the moon not a giant slip and slide? Oh, this is taking forever. Shh, I really need to think about this one. <laughs> Just wanted to eat some astronaut ice cream. <laughs> Behind the boulder lay a trench-like depression that sloped away up the draw toward the pass. Randick dropped into it and began to crawl laboriously upward. If he could flank the Rusky, he could finish this with one good shot. Or seven to eight bad ones, if I'm remembering Quake 3, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a bazooka. It's a uh, not a precision weapon. A lot of splash. Splash damage. Another explosion rocked the boulder he had just left. Randick didn't even look back. He felt his breath rasping in his throat, and his body felt hot and sticky inside the bulky pressure suit. Ooh, like Chris Hemsworth in a wetsuit full of gack. <laughs> You know, it, it sounds disgusting at first, and then I realized you could probably just film a movie of that, and a lot of people would show up. Yeah, I'd show up. I mean, <laughs> yeah. sounds like a good popcorn movie. <laughs> I mean, what happens? Does he get out of the gag? Does he, mm -hmm. you know, why is the gag there? Yeah, why is the gag there? It's a uh -huh. Why is it a wetsuit? Yeah. Is he, is he trying to keep the water out or the gag in? Hmm. So many questions. So many. Glancing down into his So right. many questions, says the ghost of Roger Ebert. Aww. Glancing down into his right, he could see the proudly erect shape of his own rocket far below on the floor of the crater. Mm. Pass. <laughs> I salute you. It took him almost 30 minutes to reach the edge of the shadow that spilled from the side of the mountain pass. To his left, not 10 feet away, was the sudden white glare of the pumice floor. He was well above and almost behind the wreck of the Russian ship. His flanks were heaving with the exertion of the climb as he searched the buckled mass of the crash for his opponent. Hey, Rob, I know this is uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but uh, I can't reach. I need you to rub some icy hot on my flanks here. Y your flanks. Yeah, my um, flanks. Where exactly would you say your flanks start? Well, just on my, uh, uh, no, higher. Huh? No, no, I mean higher, like, altitude-wise. Okay, <laughs> now east. I don't know where that is. Is is it below the butt? Okay, pretend my butt is the geomagnetic north pole, but okay. you've only got a sextant. Now sail. Sail. Okay. No, you got to tack against the wind, Rob. Uh, 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 uh. There seemed to be a dark shape wedged in between two twisted bulkheads. It looked like a man. With pounding heart, Randick murmured a prayer and lifted his bazooka. Please, God, we already fucked over one planet like some guy thought you said you wanted us to. Now help us do it again. <laughs> He's the American. God's on his side, Alan. He aimed and pressed the firing stud. The shadow vanished in silent white fire. The return blast almost knocked him down. For a moment, Randick was stunned, wondering foggily where the shot had come from. Then his brain cleared and he realized that the Rusky too had climbed to the pass, leaving Randick to fire at shadows. Randick cursed himself for his dangerous stupidity. The other must be among those shadowy rocks. 
directly across the bright floor of the pass. Unless he jumped very high in a tactical death-from-above maneuver, in which case... Ah, uh, yep, yeah, I see him. Wow, he is, he is coming down real slow. <laughs> Call that moon slow around here. It's going to take a while. Where was that flag I was supposed to plant? <laughs> You've got the time. Go ahead. Do a little light unpacking. He raised his bazooka carefully, searching the Stygian blackness for some sign of movement. His finger curled around the firing stud. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw the flare. The Russian rocket erupted in a gout of bluish flame, and the whole mountain seemed to rock. Randick stared stupidly at the glowing crater where the ship had been. For just an instant, he thought that perhaps a meteorite had struck it, but the explosion had been unquestionably atomic. Okay, second chance to sing the guitar riff from Van Halen's Atomic, Rob. <laughs> Good 15 episodes to work on your impression. C minus. The Russian must have been stunned too, for he moved out into the light, empty-handed. His helmet turned woodenly toward the rapidly cooling lake of magma where his spaceship had been. They both saw the bright arc of fire that raced up from beyond the ridge and curved down gracefully toward the floor of the crater but far below. You didn't even do any double tapping. You got to do a little... <laughs> actually, that kind of sounds like a Jethro Tull song. I was thinking, actually, uh, what's that stick song? Da, 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 da. Come sail away. Yep, that one. Open-mouthed, Randick watched his ship vanish into flame. Well, he did some regular, not very hearty cursing. <laughs> just, 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 just a touch. Just the regular kind, you know. You can't break into a hearty curse every time you need to say a swear. Well, especially, I mean, he doesn't have the oxygen supply for it, so. No, that's right, that's right. And he felt the vague tremor of the ground under him as the shock rumbled across the face of the moon. The Russian rocket was gone. The Anglo-American rocket was gone. Moon base was gone before it had ever been. Sorry, 2016 NASA. <laughs> the weapon fell from Randick's hand, and he stepped unsteadily into the light toward the Russian. Suddenly, human companionship was very, very important. Suddenly, it's almost like you should take the word suddenly out of there, eight H's. <laughs> Panicky terror was plucking at his throat. Bloop, 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 bloop. <laughs> the two men stumbled toward each other across the pass cut deep into the jagged back of the Dorfell Mountains. Okay, all right. Compromise. We'll call it the United Mountain of Randikia and Ruski. Da, da. I'm not your father. Da, yes. Mickey Mouse. What? <laughs> That's all he knows. As one, they turned and looked out across the vast expanse of the moon's hidden face. They were soldiers. They knew an invasion base when they saw one. As far as the eye could see, lines of sleek mammoth spaceships of unknown design stretched away into the distance. Could be Andromedan. Could be 
Swedish. They make some wild stuff. <laughs> that Swedish Space Force, too. You do not want to cross them. No. Very stylish. Very cold. The face of the vast, unnamed Mare was covered with them. Suddenly, Randick felt himself beginning to giggle. He tried to stop, but the laughter welled up inside of him, echoing wildly within his confining helmet. He could see that the Russian was laughing too, white teeth gleaming behind the plexiglass faceplate. No, no, comrade. Oh, oh, two, comrade. Out of O2, please, you help. Help. <laughs> oh, Rusky, you make me laugh every time with your funny jerky movements. <laughs> Kill me, stop. They laughed until they gasped. Their sides hurt with laughter. Tears rolled down their faces. They were arm in arm and still laughing when the third rocket arced down on them from out of the black and star-flecked sky. The End Uh, let me just say, great shot of their imminent demise at the hands of a very near incoming rocket right at the beginning of this story. Very suspenseful editing planet stories. I gotta say, though, um, on the whole, I like this one. It was entertaining. Yeah, it's entertaining. And, and the, the twist uh, it works for the Twilight Zone-ish story that it is. And then... Had a good moral. Clearly, uh, what's so funny about peace, love, and the Outer Space Treaty of 1967? Uh, nothing. Uh, space Force shit heels. Ooh. S-H. What did you think the moral was? I think the moral is there's always a bigger fish. So don't fight with the little minnows when the aliens are going to suddenly come and kill us all. Two more years, people. Two more years. Is this about going to college? Like a big college? I don't get the analogy. <laughs> I think that's about wraps it up for this week's episode. So I hope everyone tunes in next time for another exciting interrupted. Oh, there's S-H, you'll agree, and F-U to the D. Tear!